This morning's reading is taken from Luke chapter 17, starting to read at verse 11. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Once, on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Then he said to his disciples, the time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. People will tell you, there he is, or here he is. Do not go running off after them. For the Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning, which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. But first, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, no one who is on the housetop with possessions inside should go down to get them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back for anything. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life will preserve it. I tell you, on that night, two people will be in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding corn together. One will be taken, and the other left. Where, Lord, they asked. He replied, where there is a dead body, there the vultures will gather. This is God's word. Morning, everyone. Let me lead us in prayer as we begin. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we, we've sung, you are the great shepherd. The Lord Jesus is the one who will hold us fast, and we're conscious that he doesn't do that in a vacuum. He does that through one another. He does it through our, our listening, our being transformed by your word. And so as we come to a warning from the Lord Jesus, would you be at work through it, we ask, holding us fast if we're Christians, getting us to bow the knee to the Lord Jesus if we're not. Father, please be at work, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Well, a year on, it becomes uh, somewhat harder to remember life uh, pre-COVID. And um, presumably back in February, we were uh, shopping and dining and eating and working and commuting and traveling and entertaining and visiting. And then everything stopped. And you must stay at home. Uh, and that was it. It is nothing, though, compared to the days of Noah and Lot, Jesus says. Because several thousand years ago, in the days of Noah, verse 26, people were eating and drinking and marrying and being given up in marriage, and then the flood came and destroyed everything. And in the days of Lot, people were eating and drinking and buying and selling and planting and building, uh, but then everything was destroyed. And Jesus says... That'll be how the world ends. Across the globe, with no warning, people will be in eating and drinking and buying and selling and entertaining and eat and shopping and commuting and traveling and dog walking and kids swinging, and then it'll all end. And people will not be ready for it. And that's how the world will end, he says. Just going about normal activities and then... It's over. And so he says, make sure you're ready. The passage uh, really revolves around the question that gets asked by the Pharisees in verse 20. Pharisees ask, when will the kingdom of God come? And Jesus gives two answers. Well, it came, it's come already with me. And it'll come unexpectedly in the future. So we're just going to break it. I mean, that's really the passage. The kingdom came in Jesus. It will come unexpectedly. That's it. It's quite simple, really, this morning. Verses 11 to 21, then. The kingdom came in Jesus. Now, um, obviously, when uh, Luke wrote his uh, account of the life of Jesus, there's no chapters and verses. His sort of little headings or, or how he breaks it up are references to travel. So we're in a new section starting today, chapter 17, verse 11, on his way to Jerusalem. That's sort of Luke's, we're starting a new chapter. That's how he does it, on his way. And as is often the way with these things, he starts with a miracle. The miracles in Luke, they're never random. But most of the time, they're just there to say, look, here's something but the emphasis falls upon the teaching that comes after the miracle. That's really what he wants you to focus on. Same in chapter 14, chapter 11. That's normally what he does. Let's read it. You get a miracle, but most of the focus is going to come on what happens afterwards. So chapter 17, verse 11, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee, so Israelites and non-Israelites, the Samaritans. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance, well they had to because you're not allowed to come anywhere near anyone else if you're a leper. Your disease has prevented you drawing close. And they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Well, in one sense, we take it for granted, but typical of Jesus, there's a need. He meets it, shows them mercy. So 10 of them go off and are healed, but only one of them comes back. Verse 15, one of them, when he saw he was healed, he came back. What did he do? He praised God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet. And thirdly, he thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. He wasn't even a, an Israelite. 
But he does these three things. Praises God in a loud voice, throws himself at Jesus' feet, acknowledging he's a king in some sense, and thanked him. Well, Jesus asked, verse 17, we're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise except this foreigner? So that's what he commends him for. This one out of ten has returned and isn't just vaguely thanking God in some undefined way, but he's coming to Jesus and says, you've done this. Jesus, I thank you. And the response, verse 19, rise and go, your faith has made you well, or your faith has saved you. You decide how you translate it. It's this word that's used throughout the Gospels, this little Greek word, so, so healed, saved, there's always this play going on. Because often Jesus heals someone, they say, yes, you're the Messiah, I trust you, and they're saved into eternity. So there's the miracle. But then the, question, the Pharisees ask their question, okay, verse 20, once I'm being asked by the Pharisees, when's the kingdom of God going to come? Jesus is, he replied, the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. Now you're, st you're still thinking in terms of armies and invasions and chariots and conquest. That's not my kingdom. It doesn't look like that. When's the kingdom going to come? It's me. I mean, you have read the Old Testament, haven't you? What happens when the Messiah comes? There are all sorts of healings. I mean, he'd said uh, earlier, the first thing he says in Luke chapter 4, when he begins his ministry, he opens the scroll of Isaiah, Isaiah 61, and says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and I'm going to do all sorts of healings. He quotes Isaiah 61 and says, today, here I am. Uh, and in chapter 7, again, John the Baptist, we've probably got this one. Uh, John the Baptist says, are you the Messiah? And Jesus replies, go and report to John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the death are here, the dead are raised, the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Yes, John, lepers raised, lepers healed, dead raised. That, that's me. I'm doing these things. Lepers miraculously healed, that means that the kingdom has come already. So the Pharisees, you see, they ask, when's the kingdom going to come? And Jesus replies, look at me. I'm here. I'm doing what the Old Testament said I would. See, the Pharisees are expecting the kingdom of God to come with a flag and have borders and an army. And Jesus says, you can't observe it. I bring the kingdom, there's no flags, borders, and army, because the kingdom embraces all cultures, crosses, crosses all borders, conquers through grace and love. And you enter my kingdom just by trusting me. So the kingdom has come in Jesus. You can enter it now by trusting me, he says. And then he spends a little bit longer explaining why it's so important. So the kingdom came in Jesus, that's the first thing. But secondly, a bit more time here, verses 22 to the end, the kingdom will come unexpectedly. At this point then, Jesus turns to his disciples to talk about his return. 
his second coming. The Son of Man, that's his favorite name to use of himself from uh, the book of Daniel. The Son of Man, I'll come again. And when I come again, no one will be asking, is the kingdom here? There'll be no ambiguity at that point. Everyone will know. He loosely says two things. Look, there'll be a delay and the world will not be ready. So verses 22 to 25, there will be a delay. So then he said to his disciples, the time is coming where you'll long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you'll not see it. People will tell you, there he is, or here he is. Don't go running off after them. For the Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. It's very striking, isn't it? Jesus says, look, there'll be no ambiguity when I come again. So don't fool for the charlatans. Verses 23 and 24, people will say, there he is, he's Jesus, or he's over there and he's popped up in America and... Just never believe them, okay? Never believe them. And yet people do think of just, you know, David Icke, anyone remember him in the 1980s appearing on mainstream television saying, yeah, ah, here I am, I'm the son of, I'm God incarnated. And people go, well, I wonder what to make of that. Jesus tells you what to make of that. Say, no, he's not, he's an idiot. There's a guy in Siberia now who's gathered thousands around in Vissarion who says, well, yes, I am the son of God incarnate. Don't believe him, just read what Jesus says. The Mormons, of course, they say, yeah, Jesus, after his resurrection, went on a tour of America. A bit like Elvis or something, or the Beatles went on a tour of America. America and gave them gold tablets. Don't believe them, for goodness sake. Jesus says it's all nonsense. But there'll always be those sort of people. Madness. But he says, when I come back, it'll be like the lightning in the sky. It'll be blindingly obvious. Now, like most things in this country, when we have an electric storm, we do it in a sort of moderate, understated way, don't we? A sort of stiff upper lip storm, that's what we do in the... I mean, they're not, they're not great, but if, you know, if you've been in an electric storm much closer to the equator, when they are seriously exciting, alarming, depending where you are and how many sharp objects you have near you and that sort of thing... But I remember being in, in, in Central America, I was just seeing the most extraordinary... I mean, the, the colour of the sky was obvious. For about an hour beforehand, people would go, oh, it's going to be very bad rain, um, in Spanish. Uh, it would be very bad rain. And, um, and then, of course, the, I mean, you think, wow, this is... When you see, like, Google lightning, this is what you get. These are massive, jagged forks. And the, the, the thunder, the rumble of the thunder, you feel it in your, sorry, in your rib cage, And you think, no one at that point is going, do you think it's going to rain? Oh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe a bit of drizzle or mizzle. No one says that. They all know. It's going to hammer down like bullets. Get undercover. We've got about three minutes, and they sort of count you down. Because uh, they know that Jesus it's a bit like that. When I come again, no one's going to go, is that Jesus? Is it? I mean, I expected him to be a bit taller. Is that Jesus? I'm not so sure. It'll be blindingly obvious. The world ends. It's not happening for a while, he says to them. You'll long for it at some points. And I'm sure we know that too. Certainly for him, verse 25, first the Son of Man, me, Jesus, must suffer many things, be rejected by this generation. So look, there'll be a delay. There'll be a delay. But, verses 26 to the end, the world will not be ready. 
Just as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying and being given in marriage. Up to the day Noah entered the ark, the flood came and destroyed them all. Same in the days of Lot, people eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and, same words, destroyed them all. And Jesus says, when I return and the world is ended, it'll be just like that. People will be buying and selling and eating and drinking and planting and building and walking in the park and taking their kids swimming and planning their holidays and planning their retirement and all the normal activities of daily life. They'll be commuting and sitting and then it all ends. And you don't get a 10-minute warning. You don't get a one-week warning. Just people will be going on the normal activities of human existence, as if tomorrow will be the same, as if you can go on holiday in the summer, and just ends. It's one of the reasons we find places such as Pompeii or Herculaneum so enthralling or fas endlessly fascinating. You know, a whole culture just going about their daily activities, selling things in the marketplace, children in their schools, and then the lava comes and freezes everything in time. And in a day, it's just gone. The city's buried, not even seen. And everyone thought, what should we do today? Will I visit my uncle next week? No one was thinking the way their world was going to end, but just gone. Now Jesus leaves us with one particular and one general application, I think. The particular one, well that is, um, remember Lot's wife. So verse 30, it'll just be just like this on the day the Son of Man's revealed. On that day, no one who is on the housetop with possessions inside should go down to get them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back for every, anything. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life will preserve it. Remember Lot's wife. Do we remember Lot's wife? Uh, Genesis 19 is the account. Sodom and Gomorrah, they're destroyed for their wickedness. They just have no concern for the poor. They're the most despicable uh, cities. They're completely wiped out. Before the, the, the destruction comes, Lot, um, uh, Abraham's cousin, no, nephew, Lot and his family are warned, flee the city. In fact, they're told th three things. Flee the city. Don't look back. Do not stop. That's what they're told. Flee the city. Don't look back. Do not stop. As they're running away from the city, Lot's wife looks back, but he's killed. Pretty dramatic. I mean, she's in one of the more bizarre biblical episodes, she's turned into a pillar of salt. Um, but she disobeyed. She looks back. And here Jesus is saying, in the flow of this, it don't, what was her issue? She was after, presumably verse 31, possessions. She lamented the loss of all the possessions she was leaving behind. And that's what cost her. She loved possessions so much 
she lost her life. I mean, easy to read these verses, like verse 31, it's crazy. Imagine there was just a fire in your house. What sort of fool runs back in to go and get the TV? It's just a thing. I mean, even your photos these days, they're all in the cloud probably. I mean, what, what are you going to run back for? Verse 31, don't run back inside to get your possessions. Don't go back for anything. Lot's wife, she's like, oh yeah, well, we'd be safe if we just keep running in this direction, but my stuff, my, I mean, she loved possessions so much she lost her life. And that's Jesus' particular warning here. Verse 33, whoever tries to keep their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life will preserve it. If you place possessions ahead of eternity with Jesus, you'll lose everything. If you sit lightly to possessions because of your faith in Jesus, you'll gain everything. Here's what you can't do, according to Jesus. You cannot hold on to the possessions of this world with equal force with which you hold on to your faith in Jesus. You cannot do that. And his warning is strong probably because we think we can have both. And he says you cannot. One always takes precedence. And so he says, remember Lot's wife. She thought, I'll flee to safety, but I'll just have a quick reminisce about my stuff. Can't do that. Now, I, was, I did a quick little search just um, uh, it, it, throughout, the, throughout the New Testament. Do you know what, um, what does Jesus tell us to remember? There are only three things Jesus says we're to remember. I know this is, in one sense it's completely artificial, but just the, the, the remembrance, remember, three things. One, Luke 22, Jesus says, uh, remember my death and resurrection when you take the Lord's Supper. Okay, that's one. Uh, John 15 and 16, he says, remember my words about persecution. And here he says, remember Lot's wife. Only three things Jesus says you need to remember. His death and resurrection when you share the Lord's Supper. Remember, Christians, that persecution will come. And remember Lot's wife. Interesting. I think he doesn't say, remember the big hitters. He doesn't say, remember Abraham, the man of faith. You know, there's lots you can emulate there. He doesn't say, uh, remember David, a man after my own heart. He doesn't say, remember Solomon enormous wisdom. He doesn't say, remember Moses who stood up to Pharaoh. He does say, remember Lot's wife. She loved stuff and was killed because of it. She lost her life because she cared more about possessions than eternity. Remember that. That's the person I want you to remember from the Old Testament, says Jesus. I mean, had he not said this, would we give a hoot about Lot's wife? I mean, she's a bit player. Do you know how much dialogue she gets to say in the, in the Bible? You can guess. Dwell upon her. In other words, keep your mind fixed on eternity. Remember Lot's wife is, don't cherish possessions. Look forward, don't look back, is the point. That's the particular um, 
application he gives. I guess the, the more general point of the whole passage is make sure you're ready. Just make sure you're ready for Jesus' return. You don't get an alarm bell going off. We'll just be doing the normal patterns of everyday life. We'll be commuting, perhaps, commuting and working and eating and drinking and buying and selling and building and planting and exercising and TV watching, and then that's it. Be ready. It's the only date in the calendar you need to really ring. Don't know when it is, but be ready. When Jesus returns, the world's divided. That's, I guess it's the end of the, the, the last couple of verses. Verse 33, I tell you that night when he returns, two people will be in one bed, one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding corn together, one will be taken, the other left. The world's divided, those who know Jesus, those who don't. Uh, where is this going to happen, Lord, they ask, somewhat missing the point. And he replies with a pretty gruesome picture, where there's a dead body, there the vultures will gather. I think just means judgment, it'll be visible, it'll be permanent. Where there's a dead body, you can see all these vultures, uh, you know, it's obvious there's something happened and it's dead. Don't worry about where, you'll know. It'll be obvious again, I think is his point in that. Be ready. Now, I guess I'm aware, if you don't call yourself a Christian, it's easy to read this and think, whoa, 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 whoa. end of the world, kingdom of God. Uh, it's all loony, isn't it? It's all just crazy loony. Apart from, because it's all built upon the fact that he has come before. I mean, just the little verse 25. The fact that he came, he suffered, he suffered death for the sins of the world. He was rejected by his generation, but he rose again. So he offers eternal life. All, all that has happened. I mean, anyone can shoot their mouth off and say, that, but Jesus has been once, and he's done everything he said he would, and he says he's coming again. Be ready. We prepare for him. We get ready by trusting in his death for sins, his resurrection to new life, in looking forward. Of course, for those of us who are Christians, it's meant to be a sobering warning. Yeah, yeah, he will hold us fast. And he does so by, in part, giving us promises and giving us warnings. And so for those of us who are Christians this morning, we hear, remember Lot's wife. You've got a plan. Quite hard to plan for the summer. Not as easy to plan two years hence. But when we're making our plans and we're buying and selling and we're commuting and we're working and we're eating and we're drinking, remember Lot's wife and all the possessions we have, they'll be gone. So don't care too much about them. Don't love them more than Jesus, for goodness sake, because they're not going to last. Remember Lot's wife. Don't look over your shoulder with envy. Don't look over your shoulder with regret. Look forward. Remember Lot's wife. Look forward. Make sure we're ready. Let's pray together. Our great God and Father, may it well be that um, 
Many of us this morning, we're we're like uh, these disciples. We long to see the days of the Son of Man. We look forward very, very much to the return of the Lord Jesus. Others of us are just, you know, we know it'll happen, but there's so much life to live, and we've got to get on with the daily activities of life. Of course we do. But Father, as we go about these normal, regular activities, would we remember that you're coming? Would you remember there's a great division on that day? So would we ensure that we're ready and do everything we can to help others be ready for the return of the Lord Jesus? And would we not make the mistake of Lot's wife? Would we remember her folly and not invest too much in what we're going to leave behind? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.